Nicely done. Nicely done. It's wonderful to hear the human voice lifted in praise to God. I like instrumentals. Gentlemen, I love the instruments, the music, the melody. But there's something about just the human voice being lifted in praise and recognition of who God is and who His Son is. So, uh, wonderful to hear. Now, last night um, in the after meeting, which sometimes occurs, a number of us found ourselves in the, whatever you call it, where the ice cream is, <laughs> at least one of the places where the ice cream is, and um, we got talking a little bit about a lot of things, but one of the things we were discussing, particularly some of the younger ones were interested in uh, certain methods of Bible study, that type of thing, and how do you go out a passage of Scripture or a book of Scripture, and so we had a great time in doing that. One of the things I find important, particularly if you young men, if God so moves upon you to preach His Word, never forget the first rule of preaching. And the first rule of preaching is, I don't know how well this will translate, because I was talking to these young men. Their English is way better than any attempt at any other language I might attempt, like German or, or anything else. But they did say, they get it all pretty clear, Chris was telling me, except sometimes if you make a joke or something, they're not quite, it doesn't quite translate as well. But anyway, we'll see how this one gets across. When the plane runs out of gas, don't keep circling the airport. Go ahead and land. Now, some preachers never learn that rule, but it's a very important one from the first. So I promise tonight to stop when I'm done, which may be very soon. When the plane runs out of gas, I'm going to go ahead and land, and we'll take that as of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3. Before I read Proverbs chapter 3, I'd like to ask for a show of hands. You know, you're allowed to have favorite verses in the Bible. I, years ago, I don't even know why I did it, but I heard somebody do it. And like Joe has reminded us, sometimes you, you get an example of something and you think, well, that's a good example. I want to follow that. I don't even remember where I first heard it, but I heard of somebody who had what they called their life verse. You know, they grabbed a verse and they said, this one, that's me. And so I grabbed hold of a verse found in the book of Psalms, Psalm 103 and verse 10. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. And there's a reason why to me that spoke to me personally as my life verse. Since then, there's a whole lot of other verses I found in the Bible that I enjoy and that are very important and that uh, speak to me. I'm curious how many people find some of their verses that are special to you in the book of Proverbs. Fran, I know you do. Now, Fran's part of the youth group, and she was at the youth meeting the other night. And Fran quoted for us Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Is that one of your favorites, Fran? Thought it was, and for good reason. Anybody else in here, by show of hands, would Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 be one of yours? Good. It's good stuff. 
we have a chance to communicate with younger folks a good bit, not just with younger folks, but particularly this time of year, we get a lot of cards in the mail around May and June. It's graduation time. And we are excited to hear about people who are passing into a different phase of their life or education or whatever it may be. I find myself very frequently looking at a card that I want to send to them and praying and thinking about what verse of Scripture might be a good one to include in that card to challenge, to encourage, and to help. And more often than not, it's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And so that's part of the passage we're going to be looking at tonight in Proverbs chapter 3. I do not have an outline for tonight, but the offer still stands that if you're interested in one and would like me to get that to you by email or snail mail, I'd be glad to do that if I have your address. Some of you have given me your addresses, and some have given me your email. If I had to title chapter 3 in the book of Proverbs just for a way to get hold of it myself, I call it Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in the Lord and to get along with the folks next door. And when you read this passage, you'll understand why I say that, because it's actually sort of what the text of Proverbs chapter 3 will say when it talks about your neighbor and so on. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 1, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them upon thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow or marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul, and grace to thy neck. 
Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken." Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give, when thou hast it by thee. Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. Strive not with a man without cause, if he have done thee no harm. Envy thou not the oppressor, or the man of violence, and choose none of his ways. For the froward or the perverse is abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools." If you haven't caught it already, and I'm sure you have, as we have read through this first few chapters of the book of Proverbs, you will find that in these initial chapters there was a great deal of repetition. That is not by accident, it is purposeful. Anyone who ever involves himself in teaching knows that there is a necessity of repetition. There is a necessity to review. You, you go over new material but you go back over that which you've already been, and in doing so, it reinforces that which you have been looking at or been hearing or been entertaining. And the book of Proverbs is that way. You've probably heard, as I've read some of these chapters and verses, how many times you hear a phrase such as, My son, forget not my law. Or, My son... Uh, listen to what I'm saying to you. Words. Over and over it's repeated. The emphasis that's laid on uh, the necessity of the repetition of this constant theme that is laid down in these first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs of wisdom, the value of it, the importance of it, the benefit of it, what it will do for you. I want to say again that wisdom as transposed into the key of the New Testament, is found not just in a literary device known as personification, but it is found in the incarnation of the person of the Lord Jesus. It is available to those who come into a relationship with Him by faith in His finished work, entering into that personal relationship described for us, for instance, in the book of, Col for instance, in the book of Colossians, in whom you have believed. Belief is in a person, in the person of the Lord Jesus, and trusting Him and Him alone for salvation. We find in Him, once we trust Him, that God's storehouse of wisdom that is stored up in Him, the riches of wisdom that are found and treasured in the Lord Jesus, are available to the believer to not only live life in this world skillfully, but ultimately to take us all the way through to glory. And so the value is seen even here in this book of listening to what is said, of hearing, and in that context, of hearing the Word of God. 
But do you know there are different ways to hear the Word of God? Paul would say to the Thessalonians, We thank God for this cause, because when you heard the Word of God which we spoke unto you, you received it not as the Word of men, but you received it as the Word of God, which effectually worketh in you that believeth. And so the Thessalonians were a model of those who not only just, you know, it passed through the hearing of the ear, but they listened and they didn't say to themselves, you know, that's just a man up there. They listened to what he was communicating and they took what he was communicating to be the very word of God. And then they believed it. And so it had its effectual working in the lives of those that heard it as the word of God and believed it. And so remember in chapter 2, there were the benefits of wisdom, the seeking of wisdom, and what we might call the not only the search for wisdom in chapter 2, not only the source of wisdom, but the security and the safeguards of wisdom. And so the writer to the Proverbs says that if you will search for this wisdom, remember, wisdom is crying out, the student then is crying out, the two come together, Wisdom is discovered in that sense of the poetry of this book of of the Word of God. And then certain things will transpire. Chapter 2 and verse 15, you'll be delivered from the way of the evil man. Chapter 2 and verse 16, you'll be delivered from the, the strange woman who flatters with her words and so on. There's deliverance that's found, safety, security that's found in following the way that God has outlined for us in His Word. And again, I want to strongly emphasize, in the language of New Testament, it begins with trusting Christ as Savior, submitting ourselves to the authority of His Word, subjecting ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and allowing Him to have that rightful place in our life, not only for eternity, but even daily. And so when you come to chapter 3, you're going to get this, in that sense, emphasized again. The introduction that we find, and then the words following in chapter 3, verses 5 through 12, of what's called this success in the sight of God. The exaltation of wisdom, verses 13 through 26. And favor or success in the sight of man. You'll note, as often is found, and the book of Proverbs is a great place to see that happen, that there are negative things and there are positive things. Negative uh, and positive commands and or promises. Chapter 3 and verse 1, do not forget. The stress is on application and obedience. Why? What has just occurred? Think of it in this sense in the book of Proverbs. Wisdom standing without crying. Chapter 2, the student responds by that student crying out for the reception of wisdom. So learning has just occurred. Uh, This process has been uh, entered into. Now, that which you have learned, that which you as a student have learned from wisdom and are learning of wisdom, don't forget it. Don't forsake it. Follow in it. Keep going in it. Don't forget. You know that one of the major causes of forgetting the Lord is blessing. 
When the Israelites were about to come into the land or the generation that would follow those who died because of their disobedience in the wilderness were about to enter the land, they were warned by the Lord in Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's a very potent warning. It's one that you might do well to read sometime. The Lord tells them as they're about, or that next generation is to enter the land, when you come into the land and your barns are filled and your fields are fruitful and you get all the benefits of all that which God has brought you into, be careful lest you say in your own heart, that my hands have gotten me this wealth, that my wisdom has gotten me these things, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you to the place where you are. God puts a premium on remembrance, doesn't He? It's why in the New Testament, for believers in the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus has said to His church, one of the very few things that Christ told His church to do, this do in remembrance of me. And as you and I who are believers in the Lord Jesus, in obedience to what Christ has said, in obedience to what His Word says and what His apostles taught and practiced themselves, come to that Lord's Supper and take that loaf and take that cup as a believer in Christ? We remember, don't we? Yes, I know we sometimes call it the worship meeting. I won't pick at folks who do that. The Word of God says it's a time of remembrance. We come together to remember the Lord Jesus. And as we remember the Lord Jesus, worship is produced. It's a slight difference, but an important one. But in the midst of our worship, in the midst of our praise, you and I who take the loaf and take the cup, do we not... Remember how it is that we have entered into that relationship with the Lord Jesus? This bread is my body which was broken for you. This cup is my blood which is the blood of the New Testament that was shed for you. This do in remembrance of me. And I don't know a time when I've come to the Lord's Supper over these many years when I haven't thought to myself, Lord Jesus, I remember how it is that you brought me into this place of blessing and salvation in you. It took your death, Lord. Now that I'm in that place of blessing, I never want to take it for granted. My son, don't forget. And then the promise. Length of days. Quantity of life. Length of days long life and peace, quality of life, long life, full life and peace. Can I summarize it this way? The life that is worth living. The life that is worth living. The Lord Jesus says, I've come that they might have life in that more abundantly. Isn't it one of those tools of the enemy you know, the Word of God says that if you're lost, it's because the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. And one of the devices the enemy uses is, is to say to people, you don't want to become a Christian. Because if you become a Christian, your life's over. Life is over for you. Fun is over for you. 
Listen, that's a lie of the enemy. I can stand before you tonight as one, and there are many here who testify that we didn't really know what life was in its fullness until we came to Christ. And, it, it, you know, this is life. I was mentioning today that there was an old preacher from North Carolina, Vance Havner, and he had a number of interesting, just the titles of his sermons were interesting. But he had one that he used to preach called, All This in Heaven Too. <laughs> All This in Heaven Too. It doesn't just end here with Old Testament concept of length of days on planet Earth. Not for the believer in Christ. This is just the beginning. And eternity's before us and all that will unfold. Let me tell you, if you're young, that's a hard concept to get hold of. You know, when I first got saved, I remember seeing some of these seasoned saints and people start talking about heaven and they'd start talking about heaven and they'd start weeping and talking about how much they wanted to go there. And I thought, well, that's okay for you. You look like you're almost there anyway. <laughs> I got a few years. I, I'm saved now. I want to live. I got some things I want to do. I mean, you're about one step away. Because my concept of heaven was, listen, if you're going to be sitting around there on a cloud plucking a harp, singing hymns for a couple of thousand years, after a while, that'd get a little bit samey, wouldn't it? But you know, as I began to grow a little bit in the Word of God and understand something of the character of God and the creation of God, the God that created this earth that we're in, that is fallen and marred by sin, the discovery of that God and what it's going to be in eternity, unhindered by sin, to know Him then, what's it going to be? It's going to be beyond anything we can even imagine, but I'll tell you one thing, it won't be. It won't be boring. The discovery of all that eternity and the eternal God without the hindrance of this world and sin and the entrapments and everything else, it's going to be fantastic. And we can hardly imagine it. The fullness of life that comes in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the life that is worth living, Christ offers meaningful life. And then, if I can use this term in the biblical sense, success in the sight of God. Some basic requirements for successful living. They are just as easy and plain and yet as complex as they are simple. Three things that are found, verses 5 through 8, trust Him completely. Verses 9 and 10, honor Him with your material substance. Verses 11 and 12, submit to His training program. Subjection, sovereignty, separation. You'll find that in verse 7. Trust Him completely. What do I mean by trust Him completely? Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Complete trust. With all your heart. It means to feel secure. It means to be, in a sense, unconcerned. The actual word indicates to lie extended on the ground like a rug. Relaxed. I think the illustration that I think of when I think of what this trust implies, uh, this complete trust, is to lean your weight on something. 
You ever seen an old rickety building with a set of stairs and thought to yourself, I'm not going up there. I don't trust them. I don't think they'll hold my weight. Well, the opposite is trust in the Lord. See, it's not about the kind of trust in that sense that I have or the quality of trust that I have. It is the object of my trust. Do I have confidence in who God is? Do I have confidence in His character as He has revealed Himself? And how can I? Because God has proved Himself. The God who loved you enough to send His Son to the cross to die for you is a God that you can place your trust and your total confidence in. He will never fail you. He will never let you down. He will never disappoint you. And the older in life you get if you're a Christian, the more of a reality I believe that becomes. I've often thought about doing an interview, if I were able to do it. I'd like to do an interview sometime in in nursing homes. Just go through those homes and ask people two questions. Two questions. Tell me what was important to you 40 years ago. And tell me what's important to you now. be interesting to see what the answers might be. I've met a lot of people. I've had a few disappointments in my own life. Maybe you have too. But I tell you, I've never met anybody who's advanced and aged who said, you know, the one thing I'm disappointed in is that I got saved. <laughs> I'm so disappointed I trusted Christ. Haven't met one yet. And I don't believe I ever will. Trust in the Lord. Put your weight upon Him. Don't lean to your own understanding. That's the flip side, if you will. It's not just about your intellect and your understanding. There is that element, which I can't describe, of faith, isn't there? And faith means trust. To give our weight over to. It is entire, all your heart. It is exclusive. Don't lean to your own understanding. It is consistent in all thy ways. Acknowledge Him. Trust Him completely. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. You want to be successful in life as far as the Bible sees it. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. Allow Him to have the control of every area of your life. Now, let's be honest. That's not easy, is it? That's not easy. But as much as is in you by the grace of God, if you're a believer in Christ, to come to Him and say, Lord Jesus, I want to submit to You every area of my life. I don't want to keep You out of anything. I want to make one slight explanation, give an explanation of something I said the other night, lest it be misunderstood. I think most folks understood me, but I said something the other night in a little blurb about my testimony that the reason why I did drugs is because I enjoyed doing them. And that was the honesty of it. There is what the Bible calls the pleasure of sin for a season. But, as I also mentioned, and I hope you heard, that my five or six closest friends that I ran around with, 
They're not around anymore to tell their story. They all died tragic deaths. It didn't end for them happily ever after. And so don't be fooled by that. Because what started out as fun became an addiction. And something I couldn't break without the power of Christ to deliver me from the bondage in which I was held. And the Lord marvelously delivered me from drug abuse. I mean, I can't explain it. I've had so many opportunities to talk to people who've been involved in any kind of drug you can possibly imagine. And it doesn't always happen like it did for me. I mean, with me, it was like throwing a switch. From a person who thought a day was a waste if you couldn't get high, literally. I couldn't have come and enjoyed this place before I was saved if I wasn't half out of my mind. It's crazy, I know. To a person, just like the Lord threw a switch. I think He did it for one reason, to show He can do it that way. But you know, I had been smoking cigarettes for years. And I tell you, I struggled with those cigarettes. I couldn't give them up. I mean, like most folks who smoke cigarettes, I said, I smoke because I like to. And uh, I can quit any time I want. I've done it a thousand times already. <laughs> but there came a day when I thought, you know what? Now, this is going to sound crazy to you, but remember, I was raw. I was green. I didn't know Bible much. And I hadn't been raised in a Christian home. And all of a sudden, I learned that the Holy Spirit was living in me. My body was a temple of the Holy Spirit. And all I could imagine was the Holy Spirit in there, and I'm flooding him with the cigarette smoke. Now, that may sound very simple, but then I thought, you know what? I need to quit. That's when I realized I was hooked, when I tried to quit. And then it really bugged me. I'm like, this little thing has got me in its grip. And forget the health thing and all that other stuff for a minute. I shouldn't be held in bondage by some little thing wrapped in a piece of paper like that. I struggled for about three months. One morning in the little place where we were, fairly confined space, Three of us in a six-by-ten metal interior. We had a little black-and-white TV, and we had a crazy habit of staying up all night watching TV and then sleeping all day. It's just what we did in the place where we were. On Sunday, we'd turn on the TV. I was saved. There was another man in the cell with me that was saved. And we generally watch whatever came on, Christian television kind of program. And I fell asleep, and I woke up, and there was a young man there named Robbie. And I looked at him, and I thought, what happened to you? And he had this weird look on his face. He said, you know, I just heard this woman sing this song. And it had such an impact on me. I didn't even hear the song. I said, what'd she say? He said, she sang this song that said, if Jesus Christ isn't Lord of all, then He's not really Lord at all. And at that moment, in a way that I can't really fully describe to you, I yielded myself to the Lord Jesus. And the addiction of tobacco never plagued me again in all those years. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, allow Him to have complete control over your life. 
It is a battle that you and I who are believers face. And He will direct your paths. This is the Romans 12, 1 and 2 of the Old Testament. That if you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, that's verse 7, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you'll prove out what is that good and that acceptable and that perfect will of God. Here's two ways that verses 5 through 7 are practiced. Honor Him with your first fruits and submit to the Lord's training program. Verses 9 and 10. Honor Him with your first fruits. Now, before I got saved, I used to live in Savannah, Georgia one time, part of, part of the life that I lived. And I lived in a house with a best friend of mine at the time. It was his aunt's house. And his aunt let us live there with one rule and stipulation. We had to go to church on Sunday. And so Sunday came and we went because if we didn't go, we wouldn't get rent free. And I remember us going to this particular church. I can remember them preaching the gospel. And at that church, their custom was to pass the basket. Now, if I was feeling particularly good, I'd give God a dollar. you got to remember this is back in the 70s. I mean, a quarter was the standard. But if I felt particularly generous, I might give God a dollar. Wasn't that big of me. Aunt Mary would put in a $5 bill. And I thought the woman is a fanatic. She's lost it. Five dollars? Didn't understand it. But oh, the joy that comes when you get saved. You get converted and your pocketbook gets inverted. (laughs) Your wallet gets inverted. You love to give. You look for opportunities. It's a blessing to give. Takes away that selfishness which we are prone to. Honor the Lord with your first fruits. First fruits. Why? Now, this is farmer language. You're growing a crop. It's your living. It's your substance. This is subsistence living. I mean, if you don't get a crop, you don't eat. You don't eat, you die. It's just that simple. And when the first of that crop comes up, that's the first fruits. You give that to the Lord. Why? Because you see, You're trusting in the Lord with all your heart. You're not leaning under your own understanding, which says, man, I better eat some of that first and then hope I got enough strength to grow the rest or whatever you're thinking. First fruits. It involves dependence, a recognition of the source of blessing. It involves thanksgiving to the giver of gifts. It involves faith that if I give that which is first, more is going to follow. And it involves, in that sense, reverence. And appreciation that offering the best uh, to the Lord is the proper thing to do because we have a high opinion of who He is. And we don't want to just give Him leftovers. Years ago, I was at a conference fellow sat down in a chair, one of those folding chairs, 
chair broke. He fell on the floor. He said, they must be getting ready to give this to camp. Because <laughs> camp became a receptacle for anything that po folks didn't want. That's no good anymore. Give it to camp. Years ago, I remember seeing a, a uh, slide presentation of CMML, Christian Missions in Many Lands. I was fascinated by it. didn't know anything about the organization, what they did. And Mr. Jeffers was going through these slides at the time, and he got to this one, and all of a sudden there was this big pile of black plastic garbage bags. He said, this is the stuff that people send us that we won't give to the missionaries. You know, it's worn out, no good. We can't use it anymore. We'll give it to the Lord's work. Ought not to be that way. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of your substance. Put the Lord first in that. You'll never be disappointed. That takes trust. It's part of the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And then, submit yourself to the Lord's training program. I'll say a bit more about this in the will of the Lord tomorrow. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Whom the Lord loveth, he corrected, even, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. God's training program, called in the Old Testament here, the chastening of the Lord. It's a very critical and important concept, one that is carried over into the New Testament. And so, in the will of the Lord, we'll look at it a bit tomorrow. And so, how to honor the Lord. He says, interestingly, in verse 8, it'll be health to thy navel. Now, don't you want a healthy navel? <laughs> I mean, don't you just wake up in the morning thinking, I hope today I have a healthy navel. I wonder at statements like this. You, do you ever? I know we got to dig and see what the words mean, but I think about the navel. I mean, I don't sit around contemplating my navel, but I mean the concept of the navel. I do know this, that the navel is the place. I mean, it's there because that's where the umbilical cord was attached. That's where the source of life was for you as a child from your mother. And so maybe in a sense it's a concept that has something to do with that life-imparting essence. Marrow to thy bones. How'd they even know about that stuff? We talked today about bone marrow transplants, you know, and, and, and the place where red blood cells are produced, which is the very life of the body. So it's a poetic way of, of talking about health, if you will, and that fullness of health probably best expressed in the Hebrew expression, shalom. Shalom. The fullness, the wellness, the peace even that comes. And so may the Lord bless these thoughts to our hearts from this, what I consider to be one of the classic passages in the Old Testament, and particularly in the book of Proverbs. You might do well, you young folks that are here and all who are here, to do as others have done. To give those verses 3, 5, and 6, chapter 3, 5, and 6 a look, and me, maybe even commit them to memory, meditate on them, and see what the Lord has for you there.